Hey there, and welcome to Outbreak. My name's Lyra. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to talk about um, this upcoming holiday season. Thanksgiving? So, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so usually like Thanksgiving, it's family time for some people, hang out with family, friends, adoptive family, whatever, the family you make, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, whatever situation you got going on. Um, but for some, these holidays take a dark turn. So I have two stories of two Thanksgivings that ended tragically. Okay. Give them to me. Also, uh, I can only think of it, this being from like a turkey's perspective. A tur- for, th- for Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, not from a turkey's perspective. No. <laughs> so we're going to start in um, Cairo, Egypt. So in 1965, in 1965, in 1968. Um, There was no specific month or day um, as to when this person was born. But we do know that Omaima Nelson was born. So she was born in Cairo, Egypt. Um, Nelson claims that as a child, she was abused, molested, and mutilated in her genital region. I feel like that's very common around that area. You said it was Egypt, right? Yes. Yeah. For a lot of African countries, it's kind of normal. Which is gross. Yes, it's very gross. Yeah. Um, as she grew, she began to work as a nanny and a part-time model before immigrating to the United States in 1986. So she was around 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, she was described as being a uh, being a very beautiful young woman. Um, when she, and she had big eyes, olive skin, beautiful dark hair. She was friendly, smart, and she just knew how to talk to people. Right. Um, being the beautiful woman she is, it is alleged she would sleep with older men, tie them up during sex, and then rob them of their money. Even holding them at knife point or any weapon that was around, she would hold them at weapon point and just rob them of their money. All I'm hearing is she's girl bossing. I mean, it's not right, but she's doing what she can. Yeah, she's doing what she needs to to survive. And then she also used her sexuality to get these men to buy her cars, give her a place to live, you know, just get whatever she Can't wanted. Can't provide things. Yeah. Um, and these men, so I was thinking while I was reading this, like, why wouldn't the men report her if she's threatening them, all this stuff? Pride, right? They don't want to be, they, they don't want to seem weak because a girl took them down. That's exactly why. They wouldn't report her for stealing from them because they were too ashamed of what happened that this that this young woman held them at knife point during sex and robbed them of their money. Yeah, I'm sure even if they did report it, uh, it's gross. It's toxic. Those police officers would probably laugh at them. Yeah, I'm maybe it's because, you know, of the Mexican in me. I know how men act about these things in, you know, our culture. Yes. And uh, I feel like it translates to a lot of other cultures, too. Yeah. Well, I think in general, it's like a big man being taken down by a petite woman. Yeah, it's shameful for men. Men, it's okay. You're not any weaker if a woman takes you down. It's just a really buff woman. (laughs) So in 1981... Um, in Costa Mesa, California, Omaima meets William Nelson. 
Um, she is 23 at the time. And so she's still young and beautiful. She's hanging out in a pool bar. Um, she knew how to play pool as well. So I'm sure she was um, hustling men mm-hmm. to get money out of them, which if you get it, it why not? Exactly. Uh, and I'm sure older men were looking at her and thinking, oh, my next sugar baby. I'm just going to offer to buy her things or whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you've been hit on. Like, I've been hit on by a creepy old man at a bar before. (laughs) Yeah, it's a normal female experience. I'm not even going to lie. I kind of just started ignoring them. I did that. But my friend I was with, because he offered to buy us drinks, and Mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I don't want your drink. I don't want it to come with an obligation. But my friend that was with me was like, I'll take a drink. And I said, like, why? And she's like, I don't have to give him anything. I just got to take the drink. (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah, so I was like, that's true. So this is where she meets William E. Nelson, who is a 56-year-old Texan man. So he showed Omaima the Southern hospitality, and he spoiled her and gave her all the attention and, like, money she wanted, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, guess how many days it took them to marry? Mm. All right, he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. She's kind of a gold digger. I'm going to give it five days. You went over by three. Damn it. <laughs> so, there are reports that they got married within two days of meeting each other. Okay. So, and then on their honeymoon, they went and visited his family. Um, but... By November 28th, 1991. So I couldn't find an exact date of when they met, but I think it was pretty close. Like it was all happening in the fall season. Mm-hmm. Um, so by November 28th, 1991, they're celebrating Thanksgiving. It is unclear what the events are that preceded um, what happened, but police speculated based off the evidence that Omaima tied her husband up for sex play. Um. And then she be she began to stab him and beat him with the clothes iron. Wait, wait! She stabbed him with a clothes iron? No, no, no! Stabbed him with scissors, and then beat him with a clothes iron. Oh, okay, I missed that part. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, how do you stab somebody with like that big of an object with not that much like pointiness to it? And I'm sure, like, the point, like the tip yeah. of the iron, would probably hurt a lot, but you can't. Like, stab and break skin easily with it, I, I don't know, think. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, you could use a steam. Yeah, it has a steam function. Yeah, but that's not stabbing. No, but you cook the skin to make it more tender, and then you stab it <laughs> with the point. I guess the turkey wasn't the only thing being tenderized. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's funny you say that, because um, she realizes she needs to dispose of the body. Oh, and, like, no. oh my is like, oh, my God, I killed him. What am I going to do? So she begins to dismember him. Um, she hung up pieces in the shower on coat hangers. Um, she chopped off his head and cooked his head. Um, fried his hands. Um, mixing parts of him with the leftover turkey. Putting pieces in the garbage disposal, which neighbors did um, attest to that they heard it running for hours. Like even throughout the night. He ca- she castrated him as well for, and he's, she says, not he, she says that he 
was sexually assaulting her at the time that this happened. Mm -hmm. So over the next two days is when Oima is like trying to chop up the body, get rid of his body parts, all that stuff. But she gets tired on the third day. Oh, girl, I feel that. Same. (laughs) So on the third day, she starts asking. um, So there's reports that she asked two ex-boyfriends for help. So she reached out to two. Um, One of the ex-boyfriends said, hey, I'll help you. Let me just go get my truck. And what she was offering in return for their help was $75,000. What she wanted them to, or for the ex to do exactly, was remove the teeth from the head so they wouldn't be able to identify William Nelson. Mm -hmm. And so he says, I got to go get my truck. He ends up calling the authorities and she's pulled over in William's 1975 Corvette and they investigate the vehicle. But I'm, did she have the body in the car? No, she had pieces in a trash bag. Oh, well, I mean, there's, that's still the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, trunk? Backseat? Backseat. Backseat. Damn, that's brave. Um, so Mima is arrested on December 2nd, 1981. Authorities finding his head in the freezer, Nelson's head in the freezer, his hands in the fryer, garbage bags of his parts in suitcases, and that it was like soaking through the suitcases, the yeah. amount of blood. Yeah. Um, and parts of him with like typical Thanksgiving dishes on the side. Okay. I got, I got one thing to say here. Um, why the Thanksgiving stuff? Was she planning to eat him? To, like, try to get rid of the evidence in that way? Well, she says she didn't. And I did talk about it later, but I could talk about it now, is that um, her psychiatrist, Dr. David J. Scheffner, testified that before dismembering her husband, Omaima had put on red shoes, red lipstick, a red hat, and he stated that she was psychotic at the time of the killing. Um, he also stated that Amima told him that, quote, the ribs were the best part and that she then she had dipped them in barbecue sauce saying, I did his ribs just like in a restaurant. It's so sweet. It's delicious. I like mine tender, which she denies. Ever saying she, Yeah, she denies ever saying that. She denies that any cannibalism happened. She said she just dismembered the body. Then why would she... That doesn't make any sense. Like, again, if you're kind of, like, setting it all up for, like, a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, either you're trying to get somebody to, like, look at it and be shocked about it, mm-hmm. or you're going to eat it. Otherwise, like, why not just keep disposing of the body the way she was doing with, like, chopping it up, putting it down the garbage disposal, putting it in trash bags and suitcases and just all that stuff. You don't have to, like, mm-hmm. make the body into food unless you're going to eat it. Well, she was saying part of why she mixed it with the Thanksgiving food is that she wanted to try to hide it so that I guess if they came, like they would say, Oh, it's just turkey. You still have the rest of the body though. Yeah. I it's don't not know. like you're gonna have like ten turkeys. She, like hide. none of her like her logic defense doesn't make sense. made sense. Yeah. So gross. But even though they found all these body parts, so William was six four and he was two hundred and thirty pounds. It's a big boy. Yes. And there was 
approximately, I saw one report that said 130 pounds and another one that said 185 pounds Mm -hmm. of him missing. And so that is a lot. Yeah, they don't know where this, um, like at minimum 130 pounds of where he is. Yeah, they don't know where this pounds of him were, or they still don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that makes sense with like the whole garbage disposal thing because that would just be in like the the water system, sewer system. I, I wonder if they actually went and dug up the sewer system to try to get those pieces. That was my thought. Evidence. And I mean, I feel like that's still not like a sure way to find it because yeah. it, it probably got mixed in with a lot of stuff. It probably got moved away further than other things. I don't know. But again, I, I'm not saying she ate it. But if she did eat that much, holy shit, <laughs> girl's got an appetite. Uh, I don't think she did. It, maybe a little bit of it, but like definitely not 130 pounds. 185, though. I know. I just, there was just conf- some of the story, there were different dates, different. Just conflicting facts. reports. Yeah. Some, some reports said a knife, others said scissors. Um, but her trial began December 1st, 1992, um, so a year later. And Omaima stated that William was abusive, raped her repeatedly throughout their short-lived marriage, and after a brutal assault on Thanksgiving Day, she murdered him in self-defense because he was attempting to choke her. Um, she also stated that William had shown her his abusive side during their honeymoon while visiting his family after she refused to have bondage sex with him. So in in response, he beat her. Um, she also claims at one point in time, she or he threw her new kitten from the car window. See, and then at another time when they were arguing, he stated, I paid for you and get I'm going to get what I paid for. Okay. Is there any way to like any proof of that? Not saying it didn't happen, but I'm just like, huh? From what I've seen, no, there's no real evidence that she was abused. Okay. Were there ever like any ex-girlfriends from um, Will, right? Mm-hmm. That came out and said things? No? No. Okay. Um, the sequence of events, according to Omaima, was he was strangling her or attempting to strangle her. She hit him in the head with the lamp, stabbed him with the scissors, um, and just started beating him with the clothes iron, freaking out after, and she went into a trance-like state and didn't remember a lot after that happened. Mm-hmm. And then her attempting to cook his body parts and mix it with the Thanksgiving food was trying to hide the body. She denies any claims that she ate pieces of her husband. While the prosecutors argued that Omaima was intending to rob William from the start of the relationship. And that was her goal the entire time. And that she was just escalating from her typical tying up men and just robbing them at knife mm-hmm. point. I mean, it seems messy to like go in that direction. Because again, she's getting married to somebody. So now there's a record of that, her involvement with them. 
And I mean, if she's going to rob them, it's going to be everything that they have on hand, I'm assuming. Well, I don't think that she'd be able to cash on things like life insurance because they weren't married for that long. Well, I wonder if she did want to rob him. But maybe she thought, oh, I'm instead of just dating this guy and getting all the money I want, marry him, wait for him to die. Like, it sounds awful, but some women do that. Mm-hmm. And then once he's dead, she gets all his stuff. I guess, but like then murdering him like after not that long doesn't really make sense because again, I don't think she's gonna get an insurance payout for that. No, I know that that probably wasn't a part of the overall plan, mm-hmm. but something happened. I don't know. Like, okay. I don't know. I don't know. We- it seems like it's not a very well thought out plan. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was not. If she was allegedly wanting to rob him from the start because mm. who knows maybe she really did love him at first that know. texas hospitality i'm not no i'm not gonna say it <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm not a big fan of texans okay <laughs> both of us are not fans of texas i don't like texas um but omaima was found not guilty of first degree murder but guilty of second degree murder as well as guilty of assaulting her ex Robert Hansen with a with a gun on November in November 1990, um, she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison in 1993. Um, in 2006, Omaima's attorney argued the reason Omaima dismembered her husband was so in the afterlife they couldn't meet according to an Egyptian myth. Um, after one of Omaima's defense attorneys said abuse from, or another one of Omaima's defense attorneys said abuse from several men throughout her life and her husband is what caused her to have a psychotic episode and that she suffered from PTSD. Um, however, people argue that she's still up to her typical um, taking advantage of old men, old men ways because 20 years later while in prison she married a guy that was 80 years old who died and left all his money to her um she she however says she changed for the better and in her 2011 parole hearing stated she would return to egypt to live with her mother and would no longer want to reside in the united states and she i think i had read that she converted to Christianity and says she lives for God now. Is she still scheming though? Who knows? If it's the Lord's will, then that's what she'll do. (laughs) Um, However, she was denied parole and the reason for the denial of parole was her failure to take accountability for the murder and it is believed she will not be a productive member of society and she will not be eligible eligible for parole again until 2026 Mm, that's coming up it's coming up real fast holy crap yeah three years well less than two years two and some two in a month yeah that's the first horrific thanksgiving murder thank you ew i still don't see the logic behind i need to kill somebody and i need to get their get rid of their body so i'm gonna just mix in some of their body with the food it's not it 
it's not enough meat. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, So now we're going to Little Falls, Minnesota, to the home of retired U.S. State Department security expert Byron David Smith in November 2012. Um, Smith was born in 1948, so he was 64 at the time. He was an old man that lived alone, described by his neighbors as a mystery, but he was respected for uh, his service in the military and um, being part of the U.S. State Department of Security. Um, He was a recluse who enjoyed being at home mostly, um, seeming like a grouchy old man at first, according to his neighbors, but once you got, got to know him, he was friendly. So typical. Typical old man. Yeah. Um, he grew up in Little Falls before moving away when he joined the military. And throughout his career, he was didn't live there. But he came back um, when he inherited his parents' house there. Um, he had commented about the increase in crime, especially drug-related crimes and burglaries. And he had talked to one of his neighbors about it. Um, he was the victim to several burglaries of his home, fearing he would be present for one of the burglaries. Um, he began wearing a loaded gun on his person around his house. And he started to, in the basement, keep um, like cases of water and like rations in the basement, like granola bars and stuff like that. And he even installed a security system around the home. Um, He even went as far as telling his friend to ring the doorbell once, count to 10, and then ring it again so he knew it was his neighbor at the door and not, like, an intruder. Mm -hmm. He was getting, like, hyper-paranoid about this stuff. Yes. Um, The items reported to be stolen over the course of the burglaries that happened were thousands of dollars. Um, His father's um, POW watch, collectible coins, firearms a camera and a chainsaw not the chainsaw (laughs) no it's probably the worst thing to lose not you know memorabilia like that um the watch yeah his father's um pow watch pow watch pow watch and so after installing all the security around his home smith became even more isolated he stayed home a lot more didn't want to leave the premises um And he primarily watched the security camera feeds. Like he would just sit in the room where he set up the monitors and just watch them. Mm -hmm. Um, So on November 23rd, 2012, the day after Thanksgiving, Smith called his neighbor, Bill Anderson, asking him if he knew any good lawyers and if he can um, send them to his house. Anderson couldn't like started calling around Mm -hmm. and couldn't find any lawyers. And so he called up Smith and said, hey, I can't find any, like, sorry. And Smith had asked him to call the deputy and ask him to come to his phone. So what I found fun was kind of like funny was that he had um, deputy, I forgot to get his first name, Luberts come to his home a, cu- a few days prior. Mm-hmm. And on this day, the day after Thanksgiving, which is Black Friday, he was not available to come to the home, but his twin brother, who's also a deputy, was available to go to the home in his brother's place. Mm-hmm. This I was wondering, like, 
were they trying to trick him that it was the same guy? <laughs> Officer Looper and Officer Looper. Yeah. But so the twin brother responded to the call. And Anderson, while calling the police, because he called and was asking for the lieutenant, and they told him the lieutenant, or not the lieutenant, the deputy, and they said the deputy's not there, but we can send this person over. And he had disclosed to the police that it was regarding the recent break-ins happening at Smith's home. Um, so Deputy Luberts arrives at Smith's house, and Smith is outside with his hands above his head, inviting the deputy inside. He stated that there was something in the basement he needed to show him. And when they entered the home, um, they, he showed him the broken window and said there were intruders in his home, like there had been intruders in his home. They then went into the basement and the deputy said it was apparent that he was living down there primarily from the amount of food down there. Mm-hmm. And he also noted that there was blood smeared on the walls and a pair of teens shoes under one of the chairs. So Smith pointed him towards a a closed door, saying that there were the bodies of two intruders that he had shot. And Smith began to tell the deputy what had happened in his home. So November 22nd, 2012, the day prior, a pair of teenagers broke into his home. 17-year-old Nicholas Brady and 18-year-old Haley Kiefer. Um, They came in through a broken, well, a window they broke. Um, Unbeknownst to the pair, According to Smith, so this is what Smith is telling him, he was sitting there reading his favorite book or reading in his favorite chair and saw their shadows pass by the window, saying that at first they were rattling the basement doorknob before going around and checking where they could come in. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he checked the surveillance footage and saw them going around his property or around the house. And that's when he heard the glass of the window breaking um, where the pair entered. They started to descend the stairs and Smith grabbed his gun and shot them, killing Nicholas Brady and then shooting the second intruder who descended the stairs. He tells the deputy he didn't call the authorities right away because he was scared and didn't want to ruin the officer's Thanksgiving day. So I guess that's kind of courteous. He's just like, in the house with these bodies for a I'm full not, 24 hours. Can I tell you something? What? I would probably do the same thing because I wouldn't want to be an inconvenience oh somebody on a God. holiday. <laughs> I totally understand where this man is coming from and I would also be absolutely terrified about everything that was happening. So he had also stated that um, earlier in the day he was at his neighbor's home and he noticed someone driving by his home that he suspected to be the one breaking in and so he left his neighbor's home and returned home um the evidence tells a bit of a different story though um smith along with setting up the surveillance system had set up an audio recording system inside the house why i don't know that's very just paranoid curious to me yeah So the morning of November 22nd, Smith is seen driving his truck down the road and parking it in front of his neighbor's home. Then he comes in, not through the front door, but he goes around the house Mm -hmm. in a different route and comes in through the back door. 
Um, when he re-entered the home, he turned on the recording devices and laid in wait for the intruders to return. So the two teens did return, thinking no one was home. And over the audio, you can hear Nicholas descending the stairs first before being shot. You hear him tumble down the stairs and then Smith shooting him again. Um, Smith has stated Nicholas looked up at him before he shot him in the face, but investigators said Smith walked over and shot Nicholas point blank saying you're dead. Um, the audio you hear him hiding, like dragging Nicholas's body into the closet. And it isn't until 10 minutes later when Haley comes down the stairs and she is shot falling down the stairs. So you hear her saying, oh my God. And so this is where Smith claims that she laughed at him. Mm-hmm. But over the audio recording, you can hear her screaming, saying no, and him telling her, you're dying. Um, he shot her several more times, once in the left eye, and then he dragged her into the closet and then shot her under her chin. And he says the reason he shot her under her chin was a mercy killing, basically. Repressing exodote, but okay. <laughs> um, over the audio, you can hear him talking to himself about what just happened and about how he had to clean up and how he's not going to be like those scared liberals. And all oh my this. God. He sounds unhinged. Okay. Um, and then he starts talking about what he's going to say to the cops. So he was taken into custody and everything. But this case became very controversial because according to Smith and his defense, he was saying under the Castle Doctrine in Minnesota, he is allowed to defend his own home, which the Castle Doctrine states it that, to quote, it removes the duty to retreat if a person is threatened in his or her own home. So basically, if you're in your house, you can stand your ground if you feel threatened and remove the threat, even if the state itself does not have like a real stand your ground law. So you know how like in Texas, you can stand your ground and basically- Use deadly force. Yeah, on your property. Mm-hmm. So even though Minnesota doesn't have that, they have this, which kind of says- Basically You the can same stand thing. your ground in your home if yeah. you're threatened. Um, His defense attorney agreeing that his client was scared of the intruders and was eliminating a threat. Um, The prosecutor argues different, though, saying once the kids were shot, he had eliminated the threat and he went above and beyond just defending his home by moving his vehicles or his vehicle out of the driveway and waiting inside for them to break in. Because you can also hear in the audio, he -hmm. says in the left eye. And he actually shoots the 18-year-old girl in her left eye. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also legal analysts who argue that the first shots were in protection of his home, but the the subsequent ones were not. They were just excessive. Um, So Smith was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder with premeditation and two counts of second-degree murder in April 2014. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Man, as he should. I think I agree with them. The, I forgot what you call them, the analyst. The legal analyst? Yes. First shots seem reasonable. 
That's you defending yourself in your home. Doing the other ones, like, especially hitting her in the left eye, um, seems excessive. Well, the feel, mercy kill, yeah. same thing. I mean, obviously she is in pain because you just shot her in the head. But, I mean, that all could have been prevented. It could have just... I know he didn't want to ruin the cop's Thanksgiving, and I also would not. But at that point, just tie their hands behind their backs, watch them, call the cops, call it a day. And maybe that'll keep people from, like, going into your house and robbing you so often. Mm -hmm. Because apparently everybody just likes to rob him. Holy shit. Well, they think... Like, the teens were known in the area, or they were not known, but they were suspected of um, other burglaries in the area Mm -hmm. because the car they were driving that night was tied to another suspected burglary that they had done. Mm -hmm. So people have seen them, like, kind of circling around? they were on the radar, the law enforcement's radar. Mm -hmm. All the more reason, just call the cops and say, hey, I just saw this car pulling up, and can you come out here? (laughs) See if you can scare them off. Mm-hmm. That's all I got for you. Thank you. <laughs> now let's talk about the mass genocide of turkeys on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not gonna get on a soapbox about this. And you can if you want to. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the mass killings of a lot of animals. I mean, my whole perspective on that is: if you eat it, you gotta know how it gets killed. You should know. Anyways, let's not get on this whole animal thing. I was going to say, I know because I went to culinary school, but like, I still eat it. Yeah, I mean, that's your choice. <laughs> you know where it's uh, coming from and you know how the methods that it takes to do it. I mean, if you eat in like mass, like McDonald's and McNuggies or whatever, then you should know how those are produced, what kind of living conditions the chickens are on. I do not. <laughs> so I don't need to watch all this stuff. I had chicken nuggets on Friday. They were really good. Sorry. <laughs> I was so unserious. I'm dying. I did not have chicken nuggets. <laughs> and avocado this morning. Ah. <laughs> An avocado. An avocado. But thank you for listening to my two Thanksgiving murder stories. Thank you for sharing. And thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to follow us on our social medias, you can follow us at Ofric or Ofric Pod on Instagram and YouTube. Definitely not yes. Facebook or Twitter. They're it's always dying. Pop-up. They're yeah. dying. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.